Shall we begin? Secondhand high. <laughs> Secondhand high. One, two, three. Hello, fabulous listeners. So, in our last episode with Elena Joy Thurston, I introduced a new segment to the podcast called Because It's Your Cause, where guests will get to share about the charity, nonprofit, or cause that is near and dear to them. They will also be able to provide information on the best way to get involved and support their cause for those who feel so inspired. Since the clarion call of Secondhand High is to well, be well, do good, I felt it was important to facilitate us putting that into practice. We may not be able to do everything, but we can all do something. And all the somethings added together mean everything. So as always, thanks for listening. Hey, howdy and hello, and welcome to this episode of Secondhand High, where if you're lucky, you might just catch a whiff of the feel-goods. I'm your host, Sweeney, and today is Saturday, January 1st, 2022. We've officially made it two years into the 2020s, folks. The Roaring Twenties Part 2, perhaps? They've definitely gotten off to a loud start, to say the least. I don't know about you, but I still haven't quite processed 2020, so my head is still in a bit of a tailspin. But to start us off on the right foot, I couldn't have asked for a better guest. I know her as Lund from our days on our church mission, but she now goes by Rebecca Lund Hyatt. Her touching tale will take you high as she introduces us to the nonprofit she works for called South Carolina Victims Assistance Network, and how when a new colleague first joined the organization, she turned a good work environment into a great one by her thoughtfulness towards her coworkers. So get ready, get set, get high. All right. Well, we're excited, pleased, and overjoyed today to have Rebecca Lund Hyatt joining us on Second Hand High. Today is Saturday, January the 1st. So you are actually our first podcast interview of 2022. How's that feel? It feels great. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Like, what else so are you going to say? This is I'm the I'm so worst. excited to kick off the year with me. <laughs> oh, I love it. What did you do for your New Year's festivities? Um, we watched While You Were Sleeping, a holiday oh, really? classic. Have you See, seen it? I have. I didn't know it was supposedly a holiday classic until I saw someone else post about it on Facebook, how it's their favorite Christmas movie. I'm like, this feels like when I learned Die Hard is supposedly a Christmas movie. I had no idea. Even though I've seen it, I didn't, I guess I don't remember the Christmas part of it. So, Well, Oops. I mean, it happens, the first opening scene is basically on Christmas. Okay. Um, and, but then it stretches over through New Year's. So it's also a New Year's movie, too. Oh, my gosh. It really comes full know, circle it, there. It really does. It covers <laughs> the two major holidays. So you can watch it whenever. Wait, so Peter Gallagher is in a coma for a week? Yes. From, from Christmas to New Year's. He wakes up at on New Year's Day. Oh, okay. See, I have to watch a film like multiple times for the plot to actually stick. I remember like ish what happens, but I couldn't tell you details, such as when it takes place. Yeah. 
But, oh, that's fun. Did you make it to midnight? That's an important we one. We did make it to midnight. Fireworks help with that. Right. We have a neighborhood who loves their fireworks. That's what you can do on New Year's. So go for it. Ditto. It went on, for us, it went on way before the stroke of midnight. And it went on way after. Yeah. But, you know, it's an ancient tradition as someone on our Facebook page posted. So <laughs> Can't argue our, with ancient our, tradition. <laughs> I know. You can't. Someone on our neighborhood page was like, it's an ancient tradition. Tradition. You can't expect everybody to stop. So we all just accept each other and, and move on. Yeah, something like that. Well, I brought you aboard because we served an LDS mission together in the Dominican Republic. I know that I left in 2011. So it would have been like 2011, 2012-ish, right? Yep. It was the end right? of 2011 yeah. to 2012. In fact, this might be our 10-year mark. Yes. What? Yes. But, no, I'm serious oh. because I, I we were in my last area. I, I ended in March. Where was your last area that you served again? In Oswa with you. That's right, because I was your second to the last companion. And but, then we were still yeah. roomies, even though we weren't companions right after that. So Yeah. So when you're companions, essentially, you go everywhere together. You're, you're with each other all the time. Yeah, pretty much. But I call like a it a... a a coworker that's also kind of like Velcro to you. Yeah, a coworker who's a roommate, who's <laughs> your everything. You actually taught me something that I still enjoy eating very sparingly now, but we didn't really have access to milk. So you'd put like ice in the water and then you'd put powdered milk into that. And then you'd put in some sort of cocoa powder into that. And then you'd put in cornflakes. Yes. And I still enjoy that, actually. At first, really? <laughs> well, I'd always hated powdered milk growing up because, like, my dad would try to, like, sneak it to us. But when I tried it, when you did it, there was just something magical about it. But I feel bad for you because you were only my second companion that I'd had. And so there's something kind of jarring about going from one person who does something a very particular way, the person who trains you, to the second yes. person who is probably very different and sees things differently and does things differently. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And you went to a different area when you switched um, mm -hmm. to be with me. And so it was also different, you know, different city, different layout, different things that were accessible. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Like water and electricity. The Dominican Republic was a great and harrowing and very unique experience. So yes, yes. We, I, you are one of my favorite people out there. Like we had this interesting combination of like we had a lot in common in terms of liking reading and stories and writing but we had enough differences that it like kept things interesting yes absolutely because we walked a lot uh, we oh walked God. around looking for service opportunities people to teach so we had a lot of time to just chat and it was great we always had something to talk about yep <laughs> never a dull moment for never sure never a dull moment well, so that's how we know each other. And from there, we've managed to keep in touch, according to you, for like a decade, which yeah, is... Yeah, I know. That sounds so <laughs> long. Yeah. And a lot has happened since then and before then, of course, because you supposedly had a life before the mission happened. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so why don't you tell us a little bit about what makes Rebecca Lund Hyatt, Rebecca Lund Hyatt... 
Sure. So I'm from uh, Utah, born and raised there in a couple different cities, but I claim it. And some things I have in common with Sweeney are we both went to Brigham Young University, which is a Mm -hmm. private religious school in Utah. And I majored in history when I went there and I got to do Washington Seminar, which is a semester long, not really study abroad, but internship program in Washington, D.C. And it turns out that's one of the things we had in common. We didn't go at the same time, but we both had done Washington Seminar, both gotten our degrees before our missions. Yeah, I totally forgot that you did the Washington Seminar until this moment. Like, yeah, yeah, no wonder we had so many things in common because we both were like, oh, Oh, it always wanted to go to Washington, D.C. Oh, it was a highlight. What was your internship there? I worked at the Woodrow Wilson International Center for Scholars. And so Ooh. it was a it's a center where professors basically go when they go on um, not hiatus. What is it called? Oh, uh, sabbatical. Sabbatical. There we go. What, professors will go there on sabbatical and research for a year. Mm -hmm. So I got to be assigned to two different scholars to help them with the books that they were working on. And it was so much fun. Loved it. Are you at liberty to say which books those were? You know what? I don't actually remember (laughs) what their names were. Well, it's been it's been a minute or two. It's been 12 years. I don't remember the names of the books. Also, because it's not like they finished while I was there. And, you know, books take a while to publish. So I honestly don't remember the names or even when what year they ended up getting published. Uh, But, you know, I still loved every minute of it. (laughs) Oh, no, I believe you. I had a blast. Like there's so much to do in D.C. And it's just it's a magical time in life where you get to just like explore and meet other people and hear a lot of different types of opinions and thoughts, especially because it's such a political hub. Yes. And it just and it's so close to other places. We were able to go up to New York City, mm-hmm. Philadelphia, yep. and just a lot of other historical places. It was so much fun. It would have been interesting if I can't even imagine, but had we been at the Washington Seminar at the same time, and then ended up as mission companions. I know. That would have been wild, but alas, that would have been crazy. That's okay. <laughs> Instead, we just had a lot of similar life experiences. Like we, yeah, life experiences. We were like, oh, yeah, we were, you know, we overlapped a little bit, did some things at the same time. So, yeah. Yeah. So you graduated from BYU, did the Washington Seminar, and then and what? then served a mission with you. That's Um, right. (laughs) And then when I got back, I immediately started law school. It's a a year and a half long commitment to serve a mission. Mm -hmm. And so I timed it so that I took the LSAT and applied to law schools beforehand and then just deferred for the school that I got accepted to. Um, deferred for the next academic year. But that way I didn't have to apply while I was in the Dominican Republic. And I don't have to worry about all of that. So very well timed. Yeah, I am a planner. So I, I plan things out. And I, you know, something I try to we coordinate things. <laughs> yeah, something we all would appreciate from lawyers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I came back, went straight to law school. Mm-hmm. And um, met my husband who was getting his graduate degree. I went back to BYU for my law degree. Mm-hmm. Met my husband. We got married. I had a baby my last year of law school. Oof. Yeah. 
And <laughs> it was challenging. And so I ended up taking a couple years as a gap while my husband graduated and then we moved. So I... Where'd you move? We moved to South Carolina where we live now. And <laughs> I took the bar here. So I have about a two-year gap between graduating and actually being admitted to a bar. And then... Uh, my first job after being barred was working for the South Carolina Victim Assistance Network, which I will talk about more later. Mm -hmm. uh, it, and that's where I'm currently at. And I've been here for about four years at that job. And then we've been in South Carolina about five. And how do you like it back east compared to... We love to, it. Yeah. It's great. The weather's awesome. It was 70 degrees today. We went to a park. You can go to the beach. South Carolina is known for Myrtle Beach and mm -hmm. the water's warm. It's great. Mm. It sounds like an underrated little dream haven. It is. <laughs> yeah, we, I never would have picked South Carolina before... You know, we moved here. I never would have thought, yeah, I'd really like to go to South Carolina. That never crossed my mind, but it's just been delightful. Are you now developing Southern roots? Oh, yes. I say <laughs> y'all and yes, ma'am and no, sir. So working on it. So you're fully integrated. I don't, I don't know. I can't say buggy still. What is I, that? That's the how you say shopping cart. Oh, yeah. I don't think... <laughs> I think of like a baby stroller when I hear Yeah, buggy, I know, me so. too. So I still haven't adopted Buggy yet, but, you know. Give it another decade day. or so. Yeah, maybe one day. <laughs> uh, so besides your achievements as a lawyer and a parent, a spouse, like all of these things that you've done, you've also added published author to that list, right? Yes. It's been a dream of mine. That's another way Sweeney and I connected um, was <laughs> that we both love writing and we both wanted to do that in some way. And so I have always wanted to be a published author and I still have many book ideas, but the one that actually got published was a board book that I wrote for my son and ended up getting it published. It's called A Book of Bible Opposites. So I wanted a way to teach him... Bible stories, but also do it in a very simplistic way. Mm -hmm. uh, he was two at the time. So that's where the idea came from. And I feel very lucky to be published. And also, I feel like I put the least amount of effort in <laughs> for the <laughs> most amount of money. Not that, I've, not that I'm rolling in the dough. I, I actually haven't made a ton. But other authors who have to write chapter books sell them for about the same amount as a board book goes for. And I only wrote like 100 words. So... It's a super um, cute book, too. I've read it. I can highly recommend it. What was it? Like, the shepherds are near and the, the wise, wise men, men are, are far. far. <laughs> yes. But yeah, because that's stuff kids like stories. And it's like a cool mechanism for kids to learn about yeah. opposites. So I was impressed. I remember when you were saying that it was published, I just felt like this surge of pride. I'm like, I know a published author. I know author. a published author. <laughs> It was very impressive. So yeah, and it'll be interesting to see what you publish next. Are you writing the high of that? I'm I'm not. That was published back in 2019. So it's been almost three years now. And okay. it's hard to find time. You know, mm -hmm. uh, that's why yep. I said I, I the least amount of effort for the most amount of right. output through this board book, because 
it just didn't require a lot of writing time. And with kids and a job and everything like that, it's hard to fit it in. I had actually written it before I got my attorney job. So that's why it was easier to do. It was during my two year Mm -hmm. hiatus. So Ah, yeah, yeah. being a parent is uh, might suck up a few hours in the day. And then (laughs) like you said, having a job, like it's a lot to juggle. So I know that your secondhand high is actually related to your job, which also then relates to the because it's your cause segment. So you once again, ever the planner, you made it all flow into one smooth stream. So I tried. (laughs) You did did it. Well, we'll see. It hasn't happened yet. So we'll give you credit afterwards. But (laughs) without further ado, would you like to share your secondhand high? Yeah. So um, to give a little bit of background, I am an attorney who works for a nonprofit, again, called the South Carolina Victim Assistance Network. And so we help victims of violent crime. And in this field of area of work in general, there is a high amount of turnover because there's compassion fatigue and it's just a very demanding job. And so I started out in 2018 working with this company and I left maternity leave for my second son. And when I came back, we had extra grant funds and we had hired a bunch of new people. And so I came back to a whole set of new faces. It was great. And One of those faces became one of my good friends, and she had a very interesting perspective. Our work is very much centered on our clients and the victims, and she focused on that, but she had a focus on her coworkers as well. I had never made an extra effort like I had seen her do, if that makes sense. Yeah. So what were some examples of some of the things she would do that caught your eye? So the one that stands out the most is one of our coworkers was just going through some personal struggles and she decided to send them a care package. And I had just never thought about doing that before. I know that seems really simple. So she asked me if we wanted to help. And so we just sent her this care package of random things that we hoped she would like just to say, we're thinking about you. Sorry, you're going through a tough time. And that really changed my perspective on the purpose of my work, not only to help victims, but also to make sure that my coworkers know that I care for them as well. And showing that not just by like being a nice person to work with, but taking the extra effort to reach out and check in with them and serve them in small ways. And another Mm -hmm. thing she would do is just send cards or she helped start. We would do chicken mini Mondays where once Mm. a month, one of us would go to Chick-fil-A and bring chicken minis to the office just so we all could have a nice little sit down, eat and chat and check in with each other. And not that it was a bad work atmosphere at all. It just, I had never thought to do that with my coworkers, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It's interesting because we sometimes get into the habit of kind of segmenting our lives. It's like, okay, this is my family. And this is what I do with them. These are my coworkers. This is my, you know, church, this is my hobby, or whatever the case may be. And so it can be really easy to kind of close those things off instead of thinking like, oh, these are the people I see every day, they also have lives and struggles and challenges and successes. And, you know, having that kind of human connection with all of them seems to, in fact, improve the workplace, it improves morale, and then it improves output. So I could definitely see that because I have a boss who sounds a lot like 
this person you're describing, wherein she constantly, she gives us all these amazing chocolate peanut butter balls. I swear that's the reason I'm still working there is because I know every Christmas I'm getting those chocolate peanut butter balls. But anytime there's like a death or someone gets promoted or someone like completes a master's degree or whatever it is, she's always sending a card too. So yeah, you can't help but be inspired by that and think, oh, like, what a great thing to do. And it sounds like in your case, her actions kind of changed your work environment. Yeah. And again, it's not that we had a bad work environment at all, but it made it where at least I felt like I should check in with my coworkers more often and actually like make sure everybody's doing okay and let them know that I am there for them as well and that your coworkers can really become your friends. And so having more of that atmosphere at our work was just really great and has inspired me to try to work harder to build those relationships with my coworkers. I think that's amazing. And it sounds like when you're all anxiously engaged in a good cause, you do kind of build a bond because you're all working towards something important. So uh, would you mind iterating what it is that your yes, work so does? The, it's a nonprofit organization that serves the entire state of South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um It serves victims of violent crime. So we have Mm -hmm. five different departments. I'm in the legal department. Uh, There's also a financial services department, which includes emergency funds and transitional housing for victims who, for example, have their door busted open or their windows shattered. Mm -hmm. Um, It helps provide crime scene cleanup when there's been, I'm trying to come up with a nicer way to say it, but just like (laughs) a bloody incident. It covers crime scene cleanup, which can be quite expensive Mm -hmm. and really shouldn't be something the victim has to pay for. No. Something that they didn't ever want to happen. So that's that department. There's also victim information department. There is our faith-based department that works with ministers of all faiths to help them better understand the challenges that victims face. I feel like I'm missing a department, but you all can go to the website. (laughs) (laughs) It's www.scvan.org. And then we're in the legal department where we offer legal services to victims of crime relating to that crime. So we serve victims of domestic violence, victims of stalking. We help advocate for them in the criminal process and also provide other services to them to help them with their legal needs. So it's been a great organization to work with and uh, we are grant funded. And so with that comes the ebb and flow of grant funding. So there are times (laughs) where we've got a lot of money to help victims, you know, with transitional housing and things like that, hire more attorneys to help them. And then other times where we don't have as much. So... That would be my cause. Because it's your cause is also your job. Yes. Although I'm not necessarily asking for money so I get a raise. I'm just asking (laughs) to support a good cause. Now, that's awesome. And we'll definitely link to your organization in the show notes and everything so people can get involved. Yeah, that's amazing. And just unsurprisingly, we both actually ended up in the nonprofit world. So the things you're 
describing are familiar to me because we have like Arizona crime rights victims law group and things like that, that do similar work. And I can definitely say with people who have brain injuries, which is kind of my field of nonprofit work, there are tons of people who have those brain injuries due to a violent crime. So it's so important to also have kind of those intra-agency connections so that, you know, no, no nonprofit or no group is like an island and knowing that there's other people who can continue the supports that maybe one organization can't provide. It's just so helpful and meaningful to the people who are in need of them. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for your good work. Your great work. Oh, thanks. <laughs> and I have to say, it's like, it did not go unnoticed by me. I was like, oh, Rebecca Hyatt. Hi, your name is literally part of the podcast. So yes, <laughs> riding the Hyatt. Riding the Hyatt. Yes. Nice. <laughs> well, do you have any insights or well wishes or thoughts for people going into 2022? Ooh, I hope we all stay safe. Um, right. We all just tiptoe into this new year and uh, <laughs> cross our fingers. I know. I was like, maybe we should have like, because you were talking about all the fireworks, maybe speaking of tiptoe, we shouldn't have blown any horns or blown anything up and just kind of like hoped that we went under the radar and that 2022 doesn't notice us and then just like climbs all the way off our backs. By the way, Betty White. Ugh. Rest in peace. My but heart. I saw a post. I saw a post that made me think of it differently. They said maybe Betty didn't want us to be mad at 2022. Maybe <laughs> she wanted us to have a good year. I like that. Yeah, I think you might be onto something there. Whoever posted it. Whoever cause... posted that, I was like, that's a great perspective to have. Maybe Betty was like, you know what? Let's just make it all happen in 2021. Well, as always, it's a pleasure talking to you. So thank you so much for coming on this episode of Secondhand High and sharing your insights. And hopefully all our listeners will get to enjoy writing the Hyatt as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here and happy new year. Happy new year to you too. Do you have a story about a time you experienced a secondhand high? Then don't be shy. Sharing is caring. To have your story featured on the podcast, you can email secondhandhigh.omy at gmail.com. And that's second spelled out S-E-C-O-N-D. Or you can message the Secondhand High Facebook or Instagram page. While you're there, feel free to leave a gushing, glorious, glowing review. Thanks for listening, and remember to be well, do good. Oh, yeah.